Turn with me to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 12. <laughs> I forget that. Oh, so pray this morning. Barry kind of said everything kind of that could go wrong went wrong. I saw Joyce as she came in this morning. I said, how's it going? She was like, it's going. And uh, I said, well, if it makes you feel any better, I just still, I spilt my whole thing of Jack's coffee all over my shirt and my pants. We get in and this projector's not working. So we've had to eliminate the back one till we can get the new box in. And I was like, everything is going wrong. So God must have something really he's going to do today. Um, it, the book of Luke, um, it says, and do not seek what you will eat or what you'll drink, nor be of an anxious mind. For the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows what, that you need them. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be given to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We pray your anointing on this message. We pray that you would just have your way, God. We thank you for your spirit that we felt here today. God, and once again, we don't want to leave here the same way we came. Open our hearts to receive and anoint me your vessel, God, and we'll give you the praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. Put verse 29 back up, JT. It says, and do not seek what you will eat or what you'll drink, nor be of an anxious mind. For the nations of the world seek these things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek you first, Matthew says, but that says seek the kingdom of God and these things will be given or added to you. And it says, do not be afraid, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. I want to talk to you today about the kingdom of God. When Bill Say was preaching one of the nights, you can put that down. When he was preaching one of the nights, he quoted this scripture, seek you first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. I've, I've heard that and you've heard that a million times, truthfully. Some of you have probably literally heard it close to a million times. And as he was saying it, it, something jumped in my heart. And it's like, I've always used to read it and be like, yeah, but shouldn't that really say seek God first? But that's already implied. As a believer, you should be seeking God. If you're not seeking God as a believer, you're really missing out on knowing the Father. It is a privilege that's already been given to you. It, so I want to backtrack and say that. If in your daily prayer life there is not something in your heart that says, I want to know you more, God, you probably need to start there. You need to say, we got to get to know God first because I can't know God if I'm not seeking God. That's why he says, if you'll draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. I think a lot of people think it's reversed. I think that we hear about him going to save the 99 or go leave the 99 to find the one. And a lot of church people are sitting on pews thinking God's going to come chase them down. He's not talking about you. You should be one of the 99 that's close to the shepherd. He says, if you want to get close to him, you got to draw near to him and then he'll show you his ways. But so I don't want to talk about that aspect. That should be covered. I want to talk about what Jesus is saying here. When Bill Say said it, it just sprung up in my heart. And God asked me, what are you seeking? What are we seeking for? He said some of them are seeking for clothes. And some of them are seeking what they're going to eat. And some of them are seeking for how they're going to live. And they're so bogged down with this life. 
But he says, seek the kingdom of God first and you'll actually find out the things that you know, God knows what you need. He'll actually add those things to you. You won't have to worry about them. Listen, when I, when I was single, and people used to tell me I needed to go all these Christian places to meet Christian girls. They'd be like, you know, everybody's got advice for you. Just trust me. You'll find out long enough. Well, what you need to do is what you need to do is go here. They're having a singles thing, and it's all the single Christian girls in Birmingham. Listen, I've met some of the worst girls in Christian environments that I've ever known in my whole life. <laughs> so, let's just... So I cling to this scripture. I was like, no, I'm going to seek God. And he said, he will add me a wife. And I made many mistakes on the journey. But at the end of the day, this scripture stuck true. He added, I didn't have to find her. She walked in the side door of the church singing for another worship team. And I was sitting in the back where Ron is right now. And I looked over at Timmy and I said, I'm going to marry that girl. And he was like, what? I was like, dude, I don't know why I'm going to marry that girl. And God added, he knows what we need. Some of you are seeking so many things. If I could only get this, if I could only get this, and you might not even verbalize it, but God knows our hearts. What's your heart really after? Is it after success? He knows. Listen, Solomon was one of the most wise men there is. And God showed me a scripture the other day that I've been praying. He said, God, do not make me so rich that I curse you because I've got all this pleasure. But don't make me so poor that I have to rob and break your violence. What is he saying? Just keep me there. Make me comfortable and not in the wrong comfortable, but financially comfortable. And I said to my girl, said to Papa, I said, it's so weird as I'm reading this. I'm, I'm reading the richest man that's ever been on the planet is writing, don't be too rich. And he said, that's because he didn't desire riches. And I thought, well, there you go. That wasn't his heart. His heart wasn't money. His heart wasn't the things of this world. So what is the kingdom of God? Listen, if you study scripture, go try to start underlining every time you see the word kingdom of God. We don't talk kingdom. You don't hear people go around saying the kingdom of God. It says from that time forth, when Jesus hit the right age, he began to preach what? The kingdom of God. Repent for what? The kingdom of God is at hand. It's the kingdom of God. Paul says the kingdom of God is this. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. You know what we pray and seek for? Things we think that will make us righteous, things we think that'll give us peace, and things we think that'll bring us joy. And Jesus said it's in man from all the way to the beginning of time. Our heart is seeking everything for all those things, but not the right things to get all those things. How do you know if you're in the kingdom of God? Righteousness should be there. There's a code of conduct that doesn't come from your works. It comes from grace. It comes from Christ Jesus living alive in our lives. You guys alive today? Has the rain out there got you dead? Come on, stay with me now. It doesn't say Presbyterian out there. There's righteousness to be had. Not of our own works, lest we should boast. 
When you get in the kingdom of God and you're birthed into the kingdom of God, there is a righteousness that changes inside your heart. It's when you're seeking the kingdom of God, he begins to give you his righteousness. Things that you could not overcome. That's why a lot of Christians are beat down and they're tired. They're not after the kingdom of God. Listen, after you get saved, you've got to be in the kingdom of God. You've got to actively be asking, God, I want to be more of a kingdom person. Tony Evans wrote a book called The Kingdom Man, and it's revolutionized. I hear everybody talking about it. He brought back to the forefront, we should represent everywhere we go, Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And where his kingdom goes inside of us, it says the kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. That means that people, we have played and pet our demons and our oppression and our coldness. And he says, no, there's a time where it's time to stop making excuses. It's time to stop and really start to take it by force. That means you got to get the kingdom of God alive in your heart again. That you represent Christ. That you serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that you don't have to have sin always dominating your life. There's a righteousness that comes with it. It's applied by faith. In this kingdom, sometimes you got to fight for it. Amen. Do you suffer violence? Scripture says you will. It blows my mind how many people get saved. Isn't it so funny? I was thinking about Joshua. He's got all these people that just roam around the wilderness. And they're so happy to roam around the wilderness. Why? Why would they not be happy? They wake up every morning and Krispy Kreme donuts are just all over the ground. Because I'm convinced that's manna, a hot Krispy Kreme donut. They don't have to work for it. They don't have to do anything for it. Oh, man, it's easy. They don't have any battles to fight. The Lord, even in his anger, is protecting them from battles. Because it actually says that at any time, any army could have come in and wiped them out. He protected them in their failures. Anybody ever been there? And they're eating those heavenly Krispy Kremes. And they're not working for anything. And all of a sudden, Joshua comes on the scene. And the Lord says, get in that camp. And you sanctify the people. You set them back apart again. You remind them of my covenant. And you tell them to get ready to march. So what does he do to them? They take and they do the Passover. They have the Passover meal. What does that mean? It's like a Christian rededicating their heart to the Lord. They reapply the blood to their heart. Some of you today just need to stop and just let the Lord reapply the blood on your heart to remind you that he paid the price for you. He will defeat sin. You don't have the power to defeat sin or you didn't need him. And so now the people are being reminded of when the death angel passed over and the blood was on the doorpost and they remembered the blood. But then it says they ate the corn of the land. And the next day the manna never fell again. Guess what that meant? It meant there was a time where you used to could read for five minutes 
of the Bible and everything was okay. And there was a time where only word you got from God was from a preacher and that was okay. And everything was made for you and every service was prepared for you. And all you had to do was show up and get your little Krispy Kreme dinner and that's all you contributed to church. All you knew of God was what you could get from God. But all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you're in a battle. Five minutes of prayer won't do anymore. Next thing you know, instead of having to get the Krispy Kreme, you gotta go till. You gotta go get behind the actual oxen and you gotta get the ground ready and you've gotta eat from the, your labor. Hello? Some of you, today is the day that the kingdom of God wants to get in your life and you're gonna suffer violence. The devil's gonna come after you and your little Mamby Pamby Krispy Kreme self is not gonna work. It's going to take time where you got to set some time apart and stop and say, what is going on to me? All of a sudden, worship music don't just flow out of my heart anymore. All of a sudden, I think if they sing that song one more time, I'm going to stab my eyeballs out. <laughs> so it happens when you get, you lose the anointing. It's never been about the song. I've led worship before. I know I've heard it. People say, he always knows that song thinking I'm trying to get you saved <laughs> maybe you listen to the third verse again no 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 all of a sudden the freshness wears off and we're so quick right there to be like the devil is destroying me no that's not the devil it's the father who loves you you've eaten Krispy Kreme so long that it's actually time to realize it's more than just about you and the kingdom of God it's about everybody around you it's about time for you to grow up and get your own word from God and get your own vision from God. And it's time that God starts to get you into the kingdom mindset. And the kingdom mindset is souls. It has nothing to do with sitting in this building. Thank God for corporate worship. But I'm telling you, Teen Challenge wasn't here today. And I told Papa, I said, first time in nine weeks that Teen Challenge hadn't been with us. And he said, man, I like that crowd. I said, I don't like that crowd. I love that crowd, first of all. Let me make sure I'm clear. I said, you want to get a fat church? Let 40 girls that love God with all their heart sit there, and the rest of your church will eat Krispy Kreme while they worship. They won't think, hey, the crowd's going down. Hey, it's my responsibility to pray for the church. It's my responsibility, it's my responsibility to represent the kingdom of God. It's my responsibility to seek God for an outpouring in this service. It's not mine. I, some of you have been serving God for 40 years and you're still eating Krispy Kreme. I don't understand it. You should be leading by example. I grew up in churches where the elders were the ones that were spiritual. They were the ones that spoke in tongues and prophesied. They were the ones that grabbed the youngers that were suffering. I've been there in this church. When Sister Puckett would grab me when I was 20 and 21 and speak the word of God over my life and tell me, you're going to make it, you're going to make it, you're going to make it. Oh, yeah, two amens. That's okay. We'll be Presbyterian. The donut time is over. It's time to go. Let me tell you, listen, I'm deviating from my kingdom thing. Just stay with me. I feel a shift. So Joshua... 
He's getting ready to go and the people have cut themselves. We didn't go there. He didn't just tell them to change their diet. He says, you got to circumcise them. Spiritually, Paul says, that's cutting back some things. There's some things that are in your life that are keeping you from God. Today's the day to make the cut. It's time to circumcise them. It's time to cut them out of your life. Right? You know what's so crazy to me about that? That cost them so much because even the men of war for eight days could not fight. They had to completely rely on the Lord. They were vulnerable. More vulnerable than they knew they were. Today, you got to completely trust that he'll take care of you. Back to my original scripture. It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Listen, the devil will have you in so many places of excuse. He will, I'm telling you, he will give you every excuse. And there's where Solomon comes in again. And Solomon says, the sluggard says, there's a lion outside, I will not go. And you read that and you're like, man, we're in 2019 in Alabama. There's no lions outside. Of course, that guy in Colorado choked out that mountain lion, which I think is pretty cool if you ever read that. But maybe you've never read that. You need to check that out. That guy was awesome. And everybody's like, it's a baby kitten. And then they're like, oh, yeah, but that's a kitten. But it's a 28-pound kitten that caused him to have 30 stitches or something. That's not a kitten like you're thinking in your hand. I thought that was so funny. People were like, he killed a kitten. That's a 28-pound kitten that was biting and killing him. So I have no idea where I am now, but <laughs> I heard that story and I just thought, man, only in America. Anyways, the, the line outside, the line outside. When I read that, it's your excuse. I can't do that because that. What's the line? It's your excuse. I, I could never do this. It's your excuse. Talking to singles. Well, I can never date now because there's an environment where you have to be sexually involved in your dating before marriage. You can't, there's, you can't live a holy life and still date now. It's a line outside. That's a lie. The power of God can show you how to have a Christian walk and stay pure before God. Well, you know what you have to do is you have to drive the truck before you buy it. So we're going to move to in together now. That's our culture. You got to move in together now. It's a line. We've been, we've been sold something that's not kingdom of God. Amen. What's your excuse? What's your excuse? Well, I, don't, I can't really read my Bible because. Well, whatever that because is, kill the line today. You know, I can't really connect to the shut-ins in this church because. Sounds like a line to me. We know who the line is. I asked Donna when I first took over, said, I need a list of every shut-in. We're going to attack it. They're going to know we love them. They're going to know we care about them. And they're not just going to hear from Brother Roy and Papa, the visitation team that we've appointed so that we can eat Krispy Kreme while they work. 
it's quiet in evangel. You know, I, I can't write them an encouragement card because. Wow. Sounds like if you don't have time to do pure religion, sounds like you got to make a cut. So Joshua walks up. It's one of my favorite scenes in the Bible. I could probably teach on this for four years. And he walks up. By the way, he's gotten away from the people. And some of you need to get away from the people. Whew, I felt the Lord. He's calling us to get away. He, he, they're going up against a walled city. They don't have catapults. They don't have any way to take down a walled city. Some of you might be facing something that's so big that nobody knows about. Listen, I'm convinced that the church in America, the real church that believes in God, they fought bigger giants than physical giants, than David and them ever felt, right in between here. The devil knows it's a short time, and he attacks the minds of people. And you, he tells you you can't get out of it. You can't get free from it. That's the voice of the enemy. It's time you slip away. Because listen, you'll get around people. And they'll start telling you what pills to take. And what people to see. And they'll give you every. Because they love you. They'll give you every legitimate reason. You need to get away from the people. And get along with the king. So Joshua is slipping away from the people. He don't want to hear what they have to say because there's sometimes where even good intending Christians tell you the wrong thing. I'll never forget, I met Caleb Gordon for the first time. Heard him preach, man, he tore it up. I said, bro, listen, all of us, including my grandfather, have thought we were going to be evangelists. You're not an evangelist, man. Get you a church, become the youth pastor, Preach like you preach like that to them and grow that youth group and build up teams and start doing summer camps and watch God's life. I was giving him his 10-year plan. And he just sat there and smiled and took it. I loved it about him. So about two years goes by and he's been in like 30 states and he's filled up everywhere. And I went to him and I said, man, I'm so glad you didn't listen to me. I'm so glad you had your vision and, and you were so encouraged in what God called you to do. And now I'm sitting here going, told Papa last week, I think I said, man, Caleb Gordon's got it easy. He's got it great. You just go in there, you drop the hammer and you drop the mic with the hammer and you leave and go to the next one. And the pastor loves you. He's always going to have you back because he's like, you get him, buddy. You tell him. I couldn't tell him. You tell him. I was like, he's got it easy. That's an easy gig. There's no hospital visitations. There's no people calling, meeting him after service. There's just preach and leave and go eat nice places. If you follow his Facebook, he eats everywhere. I'm like, this guy's living the dream. That's not everybody's calling though. You got to get away from the people. You've got a calling today. You, you do. You have a calling. Look in the mirror, you. There's a calling. So he walks up to one of my favorite scenes and there's a guy standing there. Now listen to this. This is Joshua. 
this is a man of war. He walks up and says, whoa, this dude has his sword drawn. And if he's for us, we win. If he's against us, we lose one person. But I love when you read to it, he had no fear. He walked straight up at it. I think so many Christians feel God come down and instead of walking close to him, they're so scared about what they're going to lose that they lose everything. Listen to what I'm saying. Don't let it go right over your head. The presence of God comes in the room and people are so scared God's going to be like to Andrew and Anna, we're calling you to Honduras. You can't go out at night. They're in Costa Rica right now. Don't look at their pictures now. That is not where they're going. That's America 2.0. That's where I would love to retire to, Costa Rica. Their hospitals were nicer than ours. So don't be like, well, they're really not suffering. No, they're about to suffer. And so people are like, man, God's here. I feel this great presence. And they walk away because they're like, I don't know what that's going to look like. But Joshua, he went at him. Hey, are you for us? Are you against us? Jesus taught him a good lesson. You say, how is that Jesus? That Jesus Christ has always been. The word formed everything. In the beginning was the word. He didn't come as the lamb to Joshua. He came as the word to Joshua. He said, I'm not, listen, you need to understand something, Joshua. And that's what every church member needs to understand. There's no your side and their side. I'm on the Lord's side. That's the side we need to be on. That's why Jesus said a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And we always think he's talking about the devil's kingdom. He is. But he's talking about the kingdom of God. It's not your kingdom or your plan or their plan. And it's not crushing. It's the Lord's plan. And we got to get what the Lord's plan is. He said, I'm the captain of the Lord's host. You read over in David and he starts to prophesy of the future. He calls Jesus Christ the cornerstone and he's the captain of the Lord's host is Jesus Christ. And Jesus is standing there with Joshua and he says, why are your shoes on? Your shoes represent your plans. Your shoes represent where you want to go. Take off your shoes and your plans because where I've got you going is somewhere you would never dream. There's people in every person in here's life that God wants to use you to radically get them saved and lead them to Jesus and see things you never dreamed of. But we just will never take our shoes off. And listen, if you're saying, yeah, that's because it was holy ground, I'm not putting down the holy part. I understand what was really going on there. But let me tell you, there was something else going on there. Joshua needed to take his plan and his execution off. And the Lord was letting him know, it's not going to work your way, Joshua. It's not going to work your way. Your way is going to be to fight. And that's not the way it's going to happen. Some of you, you've got your way figured out. It's not your way. The kingdom of God is not the way you think it works. The kingdom of God is love overcomes evil. Not you don't fight evil with evil in the kingdom. You turn this cheek and as they smack this cheek, the Lord stands up in your defense. And the, the kingdom of God is when they crucify you, 
you yell out, please don't hold it against them because our kingdom is a kingdom that came to save, not to kill. The kingdom of God is backwards. And if we're going to get it, we got to take our shoes off. We got to tell the Lord today, here's our plans. We're leaving them. And then he says, okay, now that you're ready to listen, here's what you're going to do. You're not going to fight. I'm going to take those walls down. I'm going to give you a praise in the hard time when it don't make sense. And that praise is going to break that wall down. You're not going to break it down like you think. Man, I feel God. Some of you just need to stop trying to figure it out. And you need to just start praising him. You need to start thanking him that he made you in your mother's womb. He has a plan for you, that he's for you. Well, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Well, neither was Israel. He showed up in their wrong. He showed up in their failure. He showed up and said, hey, I'm not the God that wants to keep you beat down. I'm the God that wants to give you victory. And he said, I know I'm going to have to show these people that the same way I'm with Moses, I'm with you. So tell the priest, we're going to do it a different way. Joshua, you don't have a rod. You got a new method. You got the ark, the presence. Tell the priest to walk out into that water. As soon as they touch it, I'm going to pass. I'm going to dry it up like I did for Moses. It ain't going to look the same. It's going to have the same results. Moses is who everybody looked to. Joshua, they didn't really look to him like that. I don't think God wanted it to be that way. I don't think he wants people to get his glory. That's why he told them to go take 12 stones and put it in the middle. And when their kids ask, what is it? It's where the Lord did it. You look at America right now. It is built on Moses. They don't tell you what their church is doing. They tell you who their church pastor is. He's pastor so-and-so. Ooh, our pastor so-and-so. Ooh, he can bring it. Ooh, our pastor's this. Boy, he can bring it. If we're going to see a revival in America, it's going to have to be a Joshua anointing where Joshua didn't really do anything. He just listened and obeyed the Lord. Listen, go read what it says. He says, Joshua, I want you to stay back from the ark. Stay back far enough that when the ark takes a right, you can take a right. Don't get ahead of it. Don't even get beside it because you don't know where it's going. Trust me, I'll lead you. Man, that's a good rain. I should have preached on the latter rain. <laughs> Listen, we're still talking kingdom. So they go and they start to worship. I don't know why I'm looking at my notes because none of this is in there. <laughs> it's just something sharing my heart today. I heard that story of Joshua and I got so fired up that it's, it's time to see walls fall. There's walls of heroin in our area that must fall. We must pray. Listen to me. I love you. What I'm going to say next for the next two minutes is not, you're not going to like it. If we're going to see what we want, you're going to have to make some cuts. And you're going to have to come in here and pray other than Sundays. Oh, man. I felt the walls of Jericho revive in front of me. 
I know what it takes. You know what's interesting about Bear Bryant? Bear Bryant said something that I heard two weeks ago that has stuck out to me and I can't let it go. You say that's because you're an Alabama fan. True. But this is more than Alabama fan. This is for Auburn fans and every other fans. Bear Bryant said, I stepped down from coaching because I knew what it takes for a coach to win a national championship. I think we can all agree he knew what it took. He said, and I'm not willing to pay the price anymore. It'll happen with Nick Saban. It happened with Shook Jordan. It happened with all of them. Pat Dye. They knew what it took to be there and to win. But they couldn't pay the price. And I'm scared that the church, I watched Evangel go from 20-something to where we are now. I've watched it. It took a price. It took prayer. It took people making cuts out of their life. And more than their own life, they were balled into something that was so much bigger. And it was the kingdom of God on this earth. It's going to take more than just seeing me on Sunday morning and high-fiving me and saying, I'll see you next week, Pastor. But you don't have to call me Pastor. Call me Jonathan or JD or John John if you're John Ann. <laughs> Says, I'll see you again. We'll see you next week. Jericho will never fall. We'll stay in the wilderness and look at the walls. We'll look at all the people that God wants in this church. We have made assumptions about God and not talked to God. If it was that easy, why didn't he tell the disciples, hey, look, just chill in Jerusalem. Don't worry about it. I'm so powerful, I'm gonna just draw them all in. You guys just sit. No, no, no. He said, go in the upper room and tarry till I endue you with power from on high. And I'm going to send you as you pray a power and a unity and a togetherness. And then he says, go. Everywhere Jesus says, go. The kingdom of God. I'm reading through the book of Acts right now. Philip was just a deacon. And he started just going. And bringing the kingdom of God to the city. This man by himself turned the city upside down. And we read that and I'm scared we're Bear Bryant. So yeah, that sounds good for Philip. I'm not sure I can pay that price. It takes prayer. Guys, I can't make you pray. When I was younger, I tried poor, the poor discipleship team that was here. Thank God most of them stayed with me. Chris and Dale, they're in the nursery right now. They tell me, I'm so glad you were hard on us. We had nobody at home to make it hard. You made us read and pray, and we're so thankful. I had it all wrong, though. It's got to come from your heart. I can't make you pray. I can't condemn you for not praying. I talked to, I talked to another church and their staff and their deacon board about giving last night. That's what God put on my heart. I can't make you pay your tithes. You gotta have the right heart. Second Corinthians 9 doesn't say to just give because you have to. He actually says, don't give begrudgingly. If you want a big harvest, it's pretty common sense. Throw a lot of seed. You want a little harvest? Go read 2 Corinthians 9. Throw a little seed. 
But give, he says, because God loves a cheerful giver. Oh, and then he says this last verse for all the anti-tithe people. Thank God for his indescribable gift. Oh, I'm so glad God didn't say, I wonder if it's net or gross. I wonder if I'll give my son or maybe I don't. Paul hits him with that uppercut. Every time I read it, I love it. I want to just stand up and dance. Oh, y'all should feel it. Y'all think prayer was awkward? You should feel it right now with about money. <laughs> People just wicked and wicked. Oh, I got to get out of here. Hey, I, I told you I don't care. It's in there. Some people are like, where do you even get that a tithe is 10%? Well, that tells you you need to get in Sunday school. Because the word tithe in Hebrew and Greek means 10%. When you're saying tithe, you're saying 10%. Some of y'all are like, I've been in church 30 years, I didn't know that. Get to Sunday school. You need to learn some stuff. Okay, I'll move on from money. Don't tell me you want to reach the world. Don't tell me you want the church to do things and reach out. Your heart's in the church when you give it your time and your resources. Your heart's into your job if you give it your time and your resources. Your heart's, and, and that word resources means a lot of different things and live different places. I'm not stupid. If we're going to go, guys, and be the kingdom of God, that's been my prayer lately. God, I seek your kingdom. Every time I seek something else, show me. I want walls to fall down in people's lives. Forgive me for seeking all the things. You're going to add them to me anyway. He follows it by saying, your father knows you have needs. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. I found out that the more I told them last night, God spoke to me and said, I want you to increase your missions giving. I said, Lord, we're giving enough to missions. I don't know about that. That's, you're going to have to run that by tightwad over there. <laughs> Let's call her Thrifty. We're going to have to run that by her. I said, she's the boss. <laughs> I said, so, hey, Bethany, I've been praying, and uh, I think we need to increase our mission giving. She said, yeah, we should, just without missing a beat. Knew I was good. I probably wasn't asking for something that she probably had to shoot me down for. And she said, yeah, let's do it. And I told them last night, we increased our mission giving to an amount that I did not feel comfortable with. I'm going to be honest with you. And I've never seen the increase like when we started yielding to God and giving. Now, I don't know why I'm here. Maybe because it's on my heart from last night. God loves a cheerful giver. You know what I found out? The more seed that I sow, the more seed he puts in my hand. It's more blessed to do what? To give than to receive. Who said that? Anybody? Thank you, Pastor. Jesus. They're in red. Jesus came down knowing everything, had all the riches of everything. Jesus lived in a place where dirt is gold. Think about that. The streets of heaven, gold is like just, ah, that's just dirt. And it, he said, the true way to do it is to give. It's more blessed to give 
than to receive. It's been a shotgun sermon. I sit down every Sunday afternoon and critique it, and it's going to be about a C minus. I already know. I want to talk about what I could have said, should have said. Listen, should have said. I want you to stop and think about one thing, and this, I'm serious. What you seeking today? What's your heart after? Is it success? It's going to fade. Is it things of this world? There was a price tag, and it was huge. That's why he said, freely you've received, freely give. Does God want us to be blessed people? The book of 3 John is like four scriptures. One of my favorite scriptures in there, he says, I want you to be blessed and be in good health. I mean, prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. There's nothing wrong with having money. Not at all. So when you have so much money you're not giving out that you have to justify it, that's where the problem is. When you get that second plane, start getting into weird places. The kingdom of God's here. I, I watched God grow this church. I told him a couple weeks ago, I said, I, I don't know where to take our church. I I've never grown anything. I never have. I've got friends right now, when they talk about me as a youth pastor, they're like, he's one of the best youth pastors we ever know. And I'm like, well, are you crazy? Don't even say that about me. God did it. I didn't do anything. I'll tell you what I did. I got in his way half the time, and he had to move me half the time out of his way with my harebrained ideas. So, same for you. Back to taking your shoes off, getting it out of your way. He's going to grow us again. My confidence is in him. I laid here the Friday night before the revival, right here, and I felt him, and I knew it's time. Listen to me. Don't get caught up in the haters. Don't, don't, don't. The kingdom cannot stand against itself. Don't get caught up in the haters. Don't listen to them. Don't get mad at them. Some people just don't understand. And when it works, don't rub it in their face. Stay kingdom. Be like, I didn't listen to them. I didn't need to hear them. I had to get away from the Lord. I don't need to hear what people have to say. Don't get mad when they rejoice like, oh, I knew this was going to be a blessing. And you're thinking, man, I heard you curse this place. Every chance you got, you criticized. Don't do that. Stay kingdom. Stay righteousness and peace and joy. Stay focused on what matters. Don't stop a good thing. Amen? Are you going to be willing to pay the price? Everybody stand. As God leads, we're going to start calling some prayer meetings here. You can't make everyone. I get it. Everybody has schedules. But what you can do is when you're riding on the road now, Instead of listening to jocks or Rush Limbaugh or whatever you got going, ask him to bring the kingdom to you.
listen, I've been before that Christian that preachers talk about and they say, man, I didn't even want to be that guy. Before you criticize, you need to try to do some Christian church leadership for about two years. You'll learn some things. Sometimes you get, you see people and they leave churches and they go to other places and they come back and they don't know what they're doing. And don't get mad at people. I hear people say they're church hoppers. They're not church hoppers. The devil has the people in this world. He fights in here. He knows that the kingdom of God, if we get united, he knows what happens in unity. Don't let your mouth curse something. I was an unhappy Christian, Brother Troy. I saw people take shots at my grandfather. He didn't bother, get bothered one bit. He would have when he was 37. Don't let him lie. He knows. I was like, you can't mess with my family. And the devil smiles at that stuff. You might be in that club. Something happened to you and you've got resentment and you're tearing and you're not happy anymore. Make the cut. Cut it from you today. Put it under the blood of Jesus. The kingdom of God will bring back righteousness, peace, and joy in your life. You'll start coming to church with a praise in your heart. Not have to get fired up by the band. You'll be singing praises. Listen, I knew I was getting healed this last month when I heard myself start to sing again. Great is your faithfulness. Oh, great is your... It just became the calm out of my heart. I would say, all that I needed, your hand has provided. I thought, man, I haven't whistled. That's a Lankford trait. We whistle. I haven't hummed. There's no joy in my heart. I had to make the cut. It's still coming. He's still cutting things out of it. Let's get there. Let's do this. Let's watch God bring down the walls in people's life. I don't want a bunch of rich people. I'll just be honest with you. I want him to fill this church with the broken and the misery and the people he loves. You know how many pastors I talk to right now? They got all these rich people that own businesses on their board trying to tell them how to run their church. I want the people God wants here. I want them free. So I just want us to take it. Look, it's not 12 o'clock yet. So he's still got eight minutes to move. So I want you to just take a second and let him show you what you're seeking. Amen.